of the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, November 5th, 2017, on the basis of 1 John 3, verses 1 through 3. So if you were walking in a cave and you came upon the largest diamond that had ever been discovered in the history of the world, do you think you'd notice it? That's exactly what happened to Thomas Powell on January 26, 1905. From the large diamond that Thomas Powell discovered, actually a number of very large gem-quality diamonds were taken, the largest and most famous of which is known as the Star of Africa. It comes in at a whopping 530 carats. It has 74 facets. Its approximate worth is $400 million. But even if you think you can afford the price tag, don't go looking for this diamond at the local jewelry store over at West Town Mall. You're not going to find it there. It is permanently housed in the very top of the scepter of the Queen of England, her personal possession and a symbol of her power. Of course, when Thomas Powell discovered the diamond that would become the star of Africa, it didn't look anything like that. If you're anything like me, you maybe grew up a little bit confused about that, and frankly, I blame Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. (laughs) Remember that scene from that movie where the dwarves are in the mine digging for diamonds, and you look at the, the sides of that mine, and there are thousands and thousands of gems just sparkling all over the place, just waiting to be plucked out and set right into engagement rings. That's not actually how it goes. When Thomas Powell discovered what would become the Star of Africa, it looked like this. Oddly shaped, rough around the edges, still needing quite a bit of work before it would be ready for the Queen of England, right? In fact, I showed this picture to Lindsay and asked her to tell me what she thought it was. Her best guess was that it was one of those giant burritos that you get from Chipotle that come wrapped in (laughs) tinfoil. In fact, I think it does kind of look like that. The more I look at it, the hungrier and hungrier I get. So here's my question. You're walking in a dark cave, not even necessarily looking for diamonds, and you stumble upon that. Maybe less than half of its surface is actually showing. The rest is buried in the wall of the cave. It's probably covered in quite a bit of dirt. Do you think you'd notice it? Isn't it entirely possible, maybe even probable, that you could walk right by the largest diamond ever discovered in the history of the world and not even notice it? Well, believe it or not, all over the world, each and every day, that very thing happens. Every single day. The people in your neighborhood, the people in your school, the people in your workplace, the people who share the road with you on your morning commute, maybe even people in your family, walk right by something that is even more valuable than that diamond, and they don't even realize it. You see, they walk by that precious, priceless treasure every time they come into contact with you. Now, maybe that sounds like sort of a thinly veiled attempt at some flattery this morning to start out the sermon, but I can assure you that it's not. It is exactly what John says in the verses that we are going to be looking at today. In these verses, John says that just like a diamond, there is a value, a worth, and a beauty 
that you possess. He also says that just like a very rare diamond, that value, worth, and beauty is hidden beneath the surface, behind the appearance of something that is oddly shaped, rough around the edges, and still needing a lot of work. But thirdly, and maybe most importantly, John shows us the solution to this tension. This tension between appearances and reality, this tension between who we are and what we see. And John's very simple solution to that tension is this. He wants us to stare at what no one else can even see. So what is the value and the worth and the beauty that John, that John says that we possess? Here's how he puts it. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Our value, beauty, and worth is that the God of the universe, the God who made all things and owns all things and rules all things, is our Father. He's not the ruler and we his subjects. He's not the landlord and we his tenants. He's not the boss and we his grunt laborers. He is our Father. We are his children. Why is that such a valuable thing? Well, it means that our place with him our position, our standing with him is a permanent and settled thing. There aren't some set of contractual obligations that we need to continue to feel as though we need to live up to, otherwise our place with God will somehow change. No, we are members of his family. We are in, we belong once and for all. It also means that everything that our father owns also belongs to us. As the God of the universe, he owns all things. So the Star of Africa, the most valuable corporation in the entire world, every single stock that trades hands on Wall Street every single day, God owns all of that, which means that we do too. It is part of our family fortune. It is part of our family net worth. And finally, it means that everything that God rules over, everything that he oversees, everything that he controls, he does so for our good from the movement of the galaxies in far outer space to the first little snowflake that falls to earth each year, God rules over all of it and does so for us. And maybe the best part of all of this is that the reason it is true is because God has simply declared it to be true. Yes, I suppose you could say that in one sense we are like that precious and rare diamond discovered in a cave and that our true value, worth, and beauty is hidden beneath the surface. But I don't want to in any way give the impression that our true value, worth, and beauty is something that we need to look inside of ourselves to find. No, it's something that comes from completely outside of us. It is completely external. Becoming a child of God is not something that we grow into or gradually become. It is not something that we work hard at or strive for. It is true because God has declared it to be true. Right here in his word, right there at the font, that is where God declared, you are now my child. You are part of my family. That is where he made up the adoption certificate that had your name on it and signed it at the bottom with Jesus' blood. That is where he took a robe, bleached white in the blood of Jesus, and wrapped it around you. In other words, the only way it is not true 
that you are a child of God is if Jesus' blood isn't worth anything and if God the Father's word cannot be trusted. You are a child of God. Do people always see it? That's a question you get asked sometimes, right? Maybe you've even been asked that question. When people meet you, when they talk with you, when they spend time with you, do they realize you're a Christian? Does your every word and every action give away that impression? I suppose there's a place for questions like that. Jesus did say, let your light shine before men, right? He did say, by your fruit, they will recognize you. There is a place for questions like that, but it's important for us to realize that there's also a very important flip side. John puts it this way. He says, The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. So John actually promises us that the world will not recognize our true value, worth, and beauty for two important reasons. First of all, this family to which we belong sort of has very weird family rules. You heard about some of those rules, some of those values in today's gospel where Jesus called certain things blessed. Blessed are people who are humble, meek, lowly, pure. Blessed are people who are willing to endure wrong for the sake of making peace. Blessed are people who are willing to endure persecution for the sake of Jesus' name. Those things that God in his family says are blessed are things that the world calls cursed. And so it's no wonder that the world will not recognize our value, worth, and beauty. And then the second reason that is true is because so often, even though God has declared us that we are part of the family of God, we do not act the part. We do not put those family values into practice. In fact, take the life of someone who belongs to the family of God and someone who does not place them side by side, and very often you won't be able to tell the difference. In fact, in a lot of cases, the person who doesn't belong to the family of God might just be kinder, more generous, more honest, more trustworthy. So John promises, the world will not recognize your value, worth, and beauty. And to a certain extent, we can say, so what? God the Father has declared that we are his children. So what about what other people might say? But what about when that tension, that disconnect between appearance and reality, what about when the ones who are really bothered by that disconnect are us? Picture a child who belongs to what you might call the picture-perfect family, mom and dad who love each other, handful of children who are always smiling, happy, and pleasant. They all get straight A's. They all do well in sports. They all play a musical instrument very well. They all are fluent in two or three different languages. But then there's this other child in the family, and he doesn't seem to quite fit in. Really struggles with grades. Usually get, gets cut from the team. Tried out for the big school musical, and the part that he got awarded was third tree from the left. And on top of that, he misbehaves, constantly getting into trouble. Do you think that maybe at times that child will wonder, do I really fit in? Do I really belong? Maybe even physically, the physical appearance that he has. He doesn't look like mom or dad at all. doesn't look like any of his siblings. It would be a tough, challenging thing. Friends, that's the space that you and I occupy each and every day. God has declared 
that we belong to the family of God, that we are children of God, and yet all too often we do not look the part. So what's the solution? Well, one idea might be if appearances and reality do not match up, why don't we change appearances so that they do match up with reality? Why don't we buckle down? Why don't we try a little bit harder and strive a little bit more to clean up our lives so that we look and live more like children of God? It sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Seems like a pretty good idea. And yet we need to remember that in the family of God, the expectations are not do your best. In the family of God, the expectations are not make sure that each and every day you are improving a little bit. No, the expectations are perfection. God expects a flawless diamond. And so if we base our certainty about whether or not we belong to the family of God on whether or not we look the part, then we are inevitably setting ourselves up for doubt, uncertainty, even despair about whether or not we fit in, whether or not we belong. And so thankfully, that is not at all the solution that John points us to. He does not say work harder and making sure that appearances match reality. That would be like taking that rough cut diamond and trying to make it look a little bit better by gluing some fancy silver glitter around the outside. Look at how pretty and sparkly it is. No, it has all the beauty that it needs. It has all the value that it needs. The key is simply to see it. Picture that child who struggles to know whether he really fits in, whether he belongs to his family. What do you think would give that child more encouragement? Setting some new goals for himself? Making new expectations that he really wants to live up to, ultimately setting himself up for disappointment? Or, or would it be the objective, external words of assurance from his father? Son, you are my child. Son, you do belong. Son, I am proud of you. In fact, even in extreme circumstances, might the father actually pull out the birth certificate and say, look, right here what it says. You belong, you fit in. And that's the solution that John points us to. Look at the very first word of these verses. John simply says, see. See. Stare at. Look at over and over and over again, not your own efforts, not your attempts to improve, but what God the Father has declared about you. Hold on to it. In fact, hold it in your hand like a diamond. Never tire of turning it in every direction and looking at it from every angle. Even though no one can see it, that's what you stare at. We don't need any new value. We don't need any new worth or new beauty. We simply need to see, stare at, look at all day long what God the Father has declared about us. You know, there's a, an interesting story about that diamond that Thomas Powell discovered. Once they had pulled it out of the cave, realized the value of what they had, they had the difficult task of figuring out how to get it back from the south of Africa where it was discovered all the way back up to England where they were from. And so they commissioned this special steam boat that was going to carry it. They sort of ceremonially put it in the captain's safe inside of that steamboat. They surrounded the safe with London's finest so that it was under constant watch and guard. And off that steamboat went up the side of Africa up to England. Only the diamond wasn't on the steamboat. All of it was a diversion. Instead, they got that 
$400 million diamond back up to London by sending it in the mail. (laughs) Why all the hassle? Why all the plans? Why all the diversion for something that was oddly shaped, rough around the edges, and still needed a lot of work? Why all the trouble for something that looked like a tinfoil-covered burrito? (laughs) Everyone knew what it was. Everyone knew its worth. And so that's why John simply says, stare. If the world doesn't see it, if the world doesn't say it, who cares? God has declared it. You are his child. Hold on to that beauty. Hold on to that brilliance, and even if no one else can see it, just stare at it all day long. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.